If you'll turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, and we'll be in chapter 2 this morning. Uh, before you hop into the, to the answer on the uh, sermon notes, I just have a sort of a rhetorical question, uh, yeah, question to think about uh, is, are you a Christian leader? Do you have the qualifications to be a leader for Christ? Uh, when I uh, when I got into ministry, I uh, I had a very clear sense of what it was that I wanted to do. I wanted to do this. I wanted to share Jesus with people. Uh, the thing that ends up happening uh, for every minister is uh, you realize that this is just uh, a little window of what you uh, get to do. It turns out you have to wear a lot of hats. Uh, sometimes in my early years, I was the janitor for the Little Lambs Preschool until we got a new sewer system, and I praised the Lord each day. Uh, the little kids like to flush the little brown paper, and that doesn't go in the toilet very well. And uh, we're, I was Mr. Roto-Rooter for several years. I've uh, I vacuumed out and sucked out uh, thousands of gallons of water out of this building. I've, I've done uh, moving and all kinds of odds and ends and it just ends up being like ministry is whatever's needed in the moment you end up doing but there's all of those things which i enjoy doing like i like the breakup of the regular routine but when you think about leadership there are things in our mind that that just are naturally things that we start thinking of this is what makes a great leader this is what it is needed to be a leader and so my question of you is, can you be a leader for Christ? Uh, we probably start anticipating, and if you're like me, you can sort of, sort of have a negative thought, like, oh, that, that couldn't be me. Or maybe you're a real optimist, glass half full kind of person, and in that case, uh, good for you. We'll beat you down today, though. Uh, but we think about uh, Christian leadership. We think about a good leader, and we start thinking about things like being administratively strong. Uh, and I think that's the reason why I appreciate you guys hanging on to me this long. You know, but the, there's strong administration that they can delegate like the best of them. They can get things done. They're they're excellent in that way. Or we think that a great leader is one who can communicate really well and clearly, uh, and do so uh, on a regular occasion and think on their feet and communicate well. We think. Uh, that a good leader is one who can cast a vision, and a vision so clear and awesome and amazing and inspiring that if they told you to run through a brick wall, they would, they would do it for you. And we think, this is what leadership is. And i got to tell you that uh, in, in the ministry world, uh, thinking about what it is to be a Christian minister, uh, there are so many times where I feel so grossly inadequate at administration, at clear communication, at vision casting, and all of the million other little things that would make you a great leader. It's just kind of one of those overwhelming things. And so what I did was, I was like, I'm really lousy at these things. I'm going to continue my education, and I'm going to get better at it. I literally got a master's in pastoral leadership, and I still don't know what I'm doing. Like, you can't uh, create uh, the gift of administrative skills. And so, like, I stand before you, like, really, I just want to preach and love people. 
Like, that's all I really want to do, but there's like these million other things that sort of pile onto your plate. And you're like, how did I get myself into this mess? Just let me share Jesus and be on my way. But there is, uh, for you, I have a question, and I just want you to think about it. Can you be a Christian leader? And here's the, here's the conviction I, um, I have sort of been running with, is I've had this sort of tension. This tension is, is that uh, good, administra- good administration, great communication, vision casting, and all those 12 steps to being a great leader or whatever, all of those things make for a great organization. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have anything to do with being a Christian leader. And the aha light bulb for me came actually at this last year's North American Christian Convention where Aaron Brockett stood up and he preached from Mark 2. And he said that leadership, uh, the title of his talk was Leadership Changes Everything. And he used Mark 2 to talk about the four friends who, who got uh, their uh, paralyzed friend to Jesus. He said that this is the model of Christian leadership. That they care, that they're compassionate, that they're concerned, and they're a little bit of crazy. And so this morning I'd like to read the text. And I would like to encourage you, and my goal today is for you to walk out knowing what it is that the job description is for a Christian leader, what is the qualifications, and what is the vision for you as a Christian leader for Christ. And so you may have answered in the negative, like, hey, I don't think I have a place in all this. I lack in the administrative, the vision, the communication, like no one would ever recruit me. And we have a tendency as, as an organization, these positions get filled. These, like people with these talents, we utilize them. And we may think, man, I never get used for any of these things. I'm just sitting here on the sidelines. I'm here to tell you, this morning's message is to say, we all have a place. Young or old, married, not married, we all have a place in this church family. And we can all lead. So let's dig into the text. Do I think this is the primary message of what this text is about? Absolutely not. But I think there's something we can learn from it. And I hope we can be encouraged. Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? 
Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This story is perhaps best known for its flannel graph. I should have gotten one up here, and we could have done it old school, you know. Have the guy go through the roof and the people digging it. Like, that would have been awesome. I should have done that. But uh, uh, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Anyways, uh, so the point of this message, like, of what Mark, why this story lands in the Gospel of Mark, is because Mark is trying to communicate uh, to a troubled and persecuted people that the Son of Man does have authority to forgive sins. Like, He is who we have said He is, and we need not forget that the One who is healing the world and who has the authority in this world to forgive and heal us is Jesus Christ. So don't ever give up on that. Like, that's the heart of of this text and it's it pours out from it they're questioning does he have the right to forgive can he do this and it's reiterating over and over again this thing that you can have forgiveness in this world there is uh healing for you and there is help for you uh we were um we were uh uh, wendy or not wendy and i ellie and i were on a trip to the indiana dunes on Thursday, yes, windy Thursday, and uh, so we were right, uh, right there on the Michigan shoreline, and the wind was uh, blustering pretty good. Uh, but we walked up a path, and we had uh, this uh, our guide. Her name was Cookie, and she had crazy hair. Cookie with crazy hair. Uh, it was like different. It was an array of colors. It was very interesting. But Cookie, she stopped on the path, and she's. She, was, uh, she would stop along the way, and, and she was our little tour guide of, of the forest. And on the path, she had a stop, and she wanted us to look around. And then she said, I want you to look down. And we were looking at uh, the roots that had come up on the path. And she asked the kids the question. And she says, you know, why, why are these roots exposed? Well, I think one of the kids said, well, the rain. And she said, yeah, that's right, but there's also another reason. And I said, oh, I know what's going to come. She's going to blame all of us for walking on it. And sure enough, she did. She blamed us. And she said, oh, everybody walking on it. But then they, this is a side sidebar that I want to say. They yell at you if you get off the path. They blame you for wearing down the path. I think, what can we do here? Just, you know, like how do we enjoy it? There's a no-win situation there. Uh, But I was thinking about this uh, just in general, about the sort of deterioration of the world. Like what we are dealing with is is creation falling apart, people falling apart, and the things that we put our hands on falling apart. The way of the world is a way towards destruction, deterioration, and all these things. And we actually are to blame for it. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all have had a hand in the destruction of relationships, of creation, of bringing harm into this world. All of us have had our place within it. All of us have sinned. 
And so I feel a little bit like Cookie blaming you guys for ruining everything and exposing the root system of trees. But there is a problem in our world, and there is sin in our world. And what this gospel message is saying is, in the Son of Man having authority to reverse the consequences of all of this. It would have been something if Jesus raised uh, the man, uh, it would have been something if Jesus told the man to get up and walk, and the paralyzed man would have been healed. And they would have looked at that situation and said, oh, praise God, what a miracle that this man can walk. But Jesus prefaces it with forgiveness of sins. When he prefaces his healing with the forgiveness of sins, he's doing so to show that he has the authority to forgive. And the religious people are like, whoa, 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 only one person gets to, only God gets to do this forgiveness business. What, what are you doing? And what Jesus is showing, what Jesus is showing is that he has the authority to forgive and heal what Jesus is doing is he's bringing his kingdom. We talked about it being where God's will is done, where we see God bringing about his peace and his love. And it's this, it's this vision for the world that Jesus has that he's inviting us all in and he says, you are forgiven and you can be healed and you can have life in my kingdom. And Jesus is inviting us all into that. Now what does this have to do with leadership? Well, I think it's what we're leading people to. I can't imagine what the four friends were like. I think you get four friends together and you have four different personalities and they start lugging the guy towards Jesus and they come to a blockade of people. And, you know, you might have one friend in the group say, hey, I, I don't know about this. How are we going to do this, you know? They could have been negative and critical. Like, I think about that. Like, it would have been fun to see how this all went down. I imagine there was a Barry and Gary Baker in the bunch, and they're like, now how do we get through the roof? And then, like, uh, Gary would have gotten a scaffolding out and maybe a painter's brush or two. You know, like, how did they go about getting through all of the roof? The how is not so important, though. Like, I could spend all the time in the world dwelling on how they dug it out and how mad the owner of the house was. The point of the story is the why. The why is because of their faith in Jesus. These four friends had a singular goal in mind. Get this person who is hurting, who needs Jesus, into his presence. It is a singular devotion to say whatever obstacle is in the way, they are going to care enough and have enough compassion to say we are going to get him into the presence of christ and so whatever obstacles were in front of them they were saying to themselves we're going to get him there and so when you start thinking about christian leadership you start seeing leadership on display in these four friends who say whatever it is and whatever it'll take whatever ingenuity we need to come up with Whatever the obstacles are, we know that in the end, we've got to get our friend in the presence of Christ. And Jesus, he commends this to them as faith. 
He said, it's the faith of your friends that's healed you. It's the faith of your friends that of their willingness and their devotion, their commitment to getting them into the presence, uh, him into the presence of Christ. He says, it's their faith that's brought this to you. And so when I think about this text and this story, I mean, I love this story. I think it's just one of those cool ones, and it's like, thanks, Mark, for th- throwing it in there. And every time I come to it, it's this breath of fresh air about what real leadership is. And, and this is what I so often find missing when I think about Christian leadership. Did they maybe have some administrative skills? Oh, sure. They, did they delegate the job? I'm sure they did. Did they have vision and all of that? Probably, you know. They had some, like, guy that knew what in the world he was doing. But uh, all of that aside, that's just, like, we don't really know. But we do know is their heart. This singular devotion to get them in the presence of Christ. So I asked you, do you have what it takes to be a Christian leader? I think you do. Here's the qualification. The qualification is, do you care? Do you care? Are you compassionate and considerate? And do you look at the people around you in your life, in your world, and you think, they need to get to Christ? And so, to me, the, the job uh, qualification is, do you care? The job description is, you get them to Christ. You get them to His presence. You care enough about them to help them find their way to Him. And I'm, at the end of my message, I'm going to share four ways that we can care. But the job description is getting them to Christ. And the vision is, doing whatever it takes. So are you compassionate? Do you care? And in some cases, are you a little bit of crazy? I know most of you have the crazy part down. But for me, looking at my life and trying to find the qualifications, like really genuinely... So I've been your minister for 11 years. I graduated college in 07. I came here. You've had me, and I've grown up here. Um, and I think that in open and honesty, like the tension of feeling inadequate, so feeling like you have to hide behind your credentials. Well, I have a ministry degree. I have a master's degree in pastoral leadership. Yes, yes. I'm sure that endears me to you a great deal. Um, like all of that's nonsense I got into ministry because my grandma died and the the hurt and the not knowing what to do with that For so many years, uh, my grandfather passing away, being angry about that and hurting. But I told my parents I wanted to either teach or I wanted to preach. And my senior year, my grandma died. And my parents said, Jordan, would you do your grandma's funeral? 
And for some crazy reason, I said yes. And I did that, and it was just a small graveside service. That's all it was. It was down in southern Michigan. And I read Proverbs 31, and I said, I love my grandma's molasses cookies, and I know she loved Jesus. And I know she's in heaven. And there was something within that moment that I knew that I want to spend the rest of my life telling people that there's hope in Jesus Christ. I want to spend the rest of my life telling people that there's something that they can cling on to. And it's this hope of a kingdom in Christ where there's forgiveness and there's healing and there's hope and there's salvation. There's something for you. It's this gift for you. And it's for all of us if we would turn to Christ. There are times where that fire gets distracted. There's times where that determination gets a little bit set aside for all of the other things that I end up doing and getting distracted by. But I want to say to you that when you signed up for, for following Jesus Christ, I think you signed up for the very same thing. I think you signed up for the very rest of your life telling people about a gift that they don't deserve telling them about a hope that will help them get through the darkest and most hurtful times. You get to say to people who are paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by sorrow, paralyzed by worry, that there is someone who has loved them and given their lives for them, that you can have salvation and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, we feel disqualified. We feel like we don't have the degrees. We don't have the qualifications. I've spent 11 years wondering when you'll notice I'm not qualified to do this. But friends, honest to goodness, the qualification is do you care? And the job is whatever it takes, no matter how crazy it is, getting people into the presence of Christ because He's the one who has the power to heal and to forgive. Do you have the makings of a Christian leader? You may not think you could organize a thing in this world, and that's really okay. That's not the qualification. The qualification is, do you care? And I said that I'd give you a some things to think about. But I really just want us to consider how do we care for people? And I just have it in four R's. And I needed to write this down for myself and remind me about what ministry and Christian leadership is. How do you care for people? Ask four questions. Is it renewal, reconciliation, repentance, or response? Is it renewal? Is there a need for renewal in their life? We all get away from God. We all get distracted. Is there a renewal for them? What can I do to motivate and inspire them towards a greater commitment to God and His vision for the kingdom? Is it reconciliation? Is there something going on in their life that is causing them pain and sorrow? Is there a need for reconciliation? Do they need to forgive someone? Do they need to seek forgiveness from others? Do they need to seek forgiveness from God? When there's relational conflict, there's sorrow, and it's not a reflection of the church. Or to be united together, united with Him. Reconciliation leads us towards that. Is there a repentance? At, at um, 
At all times, we need to be thinking about, do I need to return to Jesus? Turn from a destructive life of sin. Is there something I need to repent from? That if I keep going down this path, I'm never going to find the kingdom going down that way. Do they need to repent? Do I need to repent? How do you care for people? But by telling them that they need to turn back to God, He's the source of their strength. If we're going to bring help and healing and forgiveness in this world, it's by directing people back to Jesus Christ, the one hung on a cross. And finally, it it might just be that they need to respond to the gospel. To really care for people, it's not government subsidies, it's not a boom in the economy, it's not a life free from worry. What is the medicine to a dying and suffering and hurting world? It is Jesus Christ. It is His kingdom. It's the gospel. It's the good news that we get to proclaim. And so maybe the thing we need to do to care for people genuinely and truly is not giving them a cup of water, but is giving them the gospel of Christ. Help them by giving them an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Ask, have you heard the good news about Jesus? For all of us, are we sharing that there's good news in Christ? Or do we share what's been on Fox News? Truly. What is at the edge of your lips? Is it salvation in Jesus Christ? Or is it the suffering of traffic on Old 30 heading to Plymouth because it's a one-lane highway right now? Will you care for people by sharing with them that there is a Savior who loves them? Is it so hard to care when we know that there's a Savior who cares for us? And so my challenge to you is be the Christian leaders that I know you can be. The job description is simple and the qualifications are even easier. Do you care? And will you get them to Christ? Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, there were four crazy friends who did all they could to get someone in need to the Savior. God, we overcomplicate things. It's our it's our jobs. We overcomplicate the message. We overcomplicate our roles. We overcomplicate following you. And so we thank you for a simple story that draws us back, that renews our hope and our vision for what's ahead. God, that it's about sharing with others about your son, Jesus Christ. And it's about doing what we can to help people be drawn into the presence of Christ. God, as we so often get in the way, help us to see where we fall short. Help us to see how our attitudes and our actions get in the way and create more obstacles than necessary. God, we might need to be a little bit crazy in the 21st century to help people know that you love them. 
God, we might need to do a goofy thing like trunk or treat so we can tell just one about your son. God, I pray for a crazy spirit among us to do what it takes, a willingness to say, God, whatever it takes, we want to do it for you to give people to your son. And God, sometimes that'll hurt and sometimes we won't know what to do. It may be a hit on my pride. It might be a hit on all of our pride. But God, we want to yield to you. And we want to trust and know that the most important thing is to share Christ with others. Help us to lead. Help us to care. Help us to have eyes to see the people who are in need of you most. And not pass it off to someone coming after us. Let us listen to you and your spirit. And when you tell us to pause and listen, help us to obey. When you tell us to get moving, help us to obey. When you tell us to do something crazy, help us to obey. That we would be attentive to you and your spirit and what you're doing here, God. We love you. And we love your son. And we want to tell others about him. So let us listen. And let us speak. And let us announce good news. Your kingdom is here. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The cross of Christ.